Welcome to today's episode of the Love Your City podcast. We're thrilled to have with us today the former son of Seattle, now the mayor of Glenvale, Pastor Casey Wolverton. Joined as always by Letitia Shelton. Letitia, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sam. It might not be afternoon when the people are listening, no, but that's it might their problem. Be evening not mine. or morning. That's true. Hey, uh, a key part of a city gospel movement, a key part of loving our cities is that the church, first and foremost, loves each other. And what I mean by that is, is of course, breaking down the walls of our denominations in our local churches and really seeing ourselves as one church in the city. Yeah, that's right. And I've been lucky enough, as long as I've been a pastor in this city, to be a part of the Thursday morning prayer group. And honestly, I go along and don't think of us as um, people from different churches, but as brothers and sisters in Christ and just enjoy the great relationships and friendships. That's beautiful. And that's probably the goal for many cities, many towns in our in our nation and across the world. Um, it took a while to get there. And for new pastors coming to town, I think uh, when, when I came to town, it was something that was a bit of a foreign concept, mm-hmm. sort of like, well, surely there are there are gaps here. Surely there are holes in this. It can't be that that good a thing. And, and we're joined by, uh, by Casey Wolverton today, um, a, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor in town mm-hmm. who moved to Toowoomba 12 years ago. And uh, I'm just looking forward to hearing from him, his journey uh, from really a focus on his own congregation, which is right and fair. He, he's there to pastor them but to do that with a posture towards the city. So welcome, Casey. Well, it's wonderful to be with you, Sam and Letitia. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Everybody wants to get on your podcast. I mean, that's the buzz of the city within the Christian community now. So this is like another badge of honor for me. Thank you so oh much. Um, yeah, that's that's very nice of you to say to our 47 listeners out there. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Casey, it's always a pleasure to be in your presence. I appreciate the fact that you've dressed down for us Yeah, this today. took a bit. I had to get my daughters to counsel me as to what I should be wearing very today good. for this interview. We try and keep these podcasts under 20 minutes, so yeah. let's not fail on episode <laughs> four or whatever we're up to. I've lost count. There's so many. We're going to break through your 47 <laughs> listeners today. We're going to burst through a thousand <laughs> listeners, but it might be that the podcast has to stretch a little bit beyond your 20 minute average. So Casey, let me ask you a serious question. Mm. Just make sure we get on track here. When you moved to Toowoomba, you moved uh, first as a chaplain, but you became a part of the Glenvale Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, later to become the mayor of Glenvale, as I said earlier, <laughs> um, self-appointed. Not true. Um, but um, what were your expectations? Uh, you know, this was my uh, third or fourth congregation that I've been serving. And um, so not unlike other churches that I've been in, that, you know, there would be some strengths and some weaknesses in my local church. Um, and I would throw myself into that, you know, bringing to bear my strengths and my weaknesses, recognizing um, early on that Toowoomba had a unique culture um, of churches and pastors that were just a really friendly group, and they were meeting on a regular basis. And I, I, as I observed that, I thought this could, be a, this could be a wonderful way of staying encouraged in pastoral ministry. I'm intrigued. Um, when, when I moved to Toowoomba as a pastor, I, I didn't even have it on my agenda to meet with other pastors you just said there that you observed it tell, mm. tell us about that what what how, maybe the time frame between when mm. you first moved into the capacity as a church leader to actually engaging with other pastors in the cities what did that look like for you yeah well i might say that toowoomba was a bit uh, uh unique even in the adventist um legacy that i 
or the mantle I took on, uh, the previous Adventist pastors in the city had been involved in the Christian Leaders Network. And so that, it was almost like this is kind of part of the job. It had been that way with other guys, and so I didn't want to um, let that down. So I came really just almost as if this is kind of the expectation. But of course, very soon into it, I realized that it could be far more of a benefit than even my predecessors discovered. So what were your first impressions coming to the pa- the weekly pastor's prayer group here? Did you think there were yeah. some weird people? or um? <laughs> No, I, I thought they're friendly. I thought um, it, it was interesting that I had gone to a minister fraternal type thing on the Gold Coast and uh, once, and, or like a few times. But the one that stuck in my mind was when Pastor Ian Shelton was the guest presenter. Mm-hmm. And he shared, this stunned me, he shared his, his, t- the story of Toowoomba. Uh, I was pastoring on the Gold Coast at the time. And he shared the story of Toowoomba, of the, the CLN group, the Thursday morning prayer group, and how they had come to a conclusion, I hope I can share this, but that, th- that th- those from a Pentecostal tra- tradition would need, should um, pull back in the expression of that unique faith tradition. Now, he said this, Ian said this to a group there on the Gold Coast that was it had to be 99%. I must have been the only guy that wasn't a Pentecostal. I was so blown away by that. Uh, I never forgot it. And when I moved to Toowoomba, I was mindful that this Ian Shelton, this is where he came. So when I came to CLN that Thursday morning, I sensed that there was just this very broad base of pastors. Um, and it was just exuded a friendliness that I wanted to be a part of. And you've come a long way since then. Um, you, you, like you certainly still attend on a Thursday morning to our weekly gathering, but you've become a part of the leadership team that convenes Thursday mornings. You've been involved in stuff across the city. Um, how does that line up with your expectations of being a local Seventh-day Adventist pastor 12 years ago? I wouldn't have expected that I would have, um, that, that uh, a, a part of my routine, my week, my month would... Uh, such a high level of investment. Uh, I would still say it's not nearly as high as um, maybe other pastors, and it's not nearly as high as some of my greatest critics think it is. So in other words, I I wouldn't have anticipated that I would be spending as much time that I do, but I I don't think it's a lot. And and I wouldn't have anticipated that it would be as beneficial to even our mission at at our church as it has been. So you just mentioned that you have critics. Um, wh- what's behind that? Why aren't people in your congregation or leadership for you joining with other pastors mm. in the city? What are they afraid of? Yeah, there's probably a lot of um, reasons, and some of them would be even theological. I would say that's probably, even that's not that unusual. There would be Christian traditions that would be wary of engaging with other churches. Um, but that would be that that would be something that our... our you know, uh, church has uh, wrestled with. You know, where is our place in the Christian community in the mosaic of that um, that community? Um, so, yeah, because of, there's a, there's a host of reasons why some some it might not be theological. Some it might simply be that uh, you know they have an expectation that the pastor's primary focus should be kind of holding the hands of uh, his parishioners. You know, if I can be so. Um, it, it, this could be offensive to some, but almost like a babysitting service. Now, even the way I say that, 
demonstrates that I don't have a lot of respect for that viewpoint. I don't think that that is um, the the appropriate thing for a pastor. And I, in my tradition, I'm very fortunate because in my faith tradition, the pioneers of of my church, you know, 150 years ago, wrote and demonstrated um, uh, that pastors really should be more investing in the evangelism and the service to the community, and that they, the, the work of internal ministry really should be left to those within the church. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in good steed with my, the historical precedent of my denomination, and I have to remind uh, my critics of that occasionally. They, they don't particularly like that. Sure. Um, I think it's great to, to research back into the roots of some of these denominations, because even though they started with, um, I guess, a, a desire to separate from that which was, they were a part of when, before they separated, there is often great motives and great, mm. you know, great attitudes in that. Yeah. Um, tell us about, because I know from, from knowing you and talking with you about the, uh, the denominational setup of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, that you spoke then about internal critics from your local church. What about from your denominational heads, um, the ones you report to beyond the church? Mm. What's their attitude towards all this, and, and how much are they on board? They've been remarkably supportive, and in fact, because it's an interesting political thing, every church probably has this, but I actually, uh, my where I serve, where I'm um, put, is determined by the statewide uh, administrative office. And so, um, you know, a lot rides on how they feel you're going. And it's been amazing. I mean, it's I'm well beyond the average of, of a stay in, in one location for an Adventist pastor. I would say the average would be five to seven years. And I've been in this role now going on my eighth year in this role, but I've been into one before going on my 12th year. So, that speaks to the support, I think, of my local administration. And I think that ultimately the reason they're supportive is they recognize that if for any organization to expand, um, they really have to engage on a level beyond this babysitting, you know, this um, kind of internally focused um, routine or status quo. And so I'm doing that. It sure it, it upsets some people, but they recognize that if, if I don't do that, then we just continue to shrink. Yeah. What's been the benefit for you personally being part of the wider pastors network in Toowoomba? Well, I've been, I've, I've been blessed enormously. Like I've certainly been encouraged many times. Sometimes I've been, um, I've come to Thursday mornings and other times just in, you know, in my interpersonal relationships with pastors and have been encouraged personally, uh, other, other spiritual leaders um, affirming my, the, the gifts that I bring to the table, um, you know, just incredible. And then the other thing would be, I feel like I've been able to use my uh, kind of the spiritual gifts in a much broader um, way that uh, in the heat of the battle, you don't get compliments. You know, you, when, when, when you are pushing for a paradigm that's contrary to the way somebody else thinks, in that sense, that's not a good place to identify what you're good at. But in the wider body in Toowoomba, um, I've been so enriched because I've been invited to do things like to preach in other congregations. And, you know, I'll preach the same sermon and <laughs> it's just so well appreciated. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's been so many, so many ways that I've, I've been blessed as a result of being part of this 
um, this Christian community here in Toowoomba. Yeah, and of course it goes two ways because we've been incredibly blessed. I know your wife is a part of my City Women Board mm. um, and just actively getting her women uh, involved in wi- wider things. Yeah. And there's just so many. You, you rode to Warwick and back. Mm. Yeah, kind of right. rode, <laughs> um, which was fun. But I made it. So, yes, um, we, we all get um, blessed through this. What about your church? Have, have there been benefits to your congregation as a result of you being involved in the wider? I think the majority of my um, thought leaders um, and those who I would say are quite um, sensitive to the Spirit of God I would say that the vast majority of those would say that our congregation has benefited enormously from this um, uh, this this approach where we engage the wider body of Christ. So, and I recognize that in some ways, what what you two have been doing, and you know, the the talk as you know, we want to turn our attention to the city you know, outside of the Christian community, I would say we're, you know, we're still, we're, we're back a step. And for us, it's been the last decade, it's been, we need to open up and engage and recognize the value and the spirit within the, the wider body of Christ, you know, here. But we've, we've benefited enormously from that. And um, my hope will be that that will lead to a more, um, a, a greater interest in blessing those outside of the body of Christ. So, for example, um, we hosted the refugee ladies at Glenville in conjunction with the City Women Ministry Sisters, I think it's called. That was fantastic. So we had about 17 of our women involved in that. We will absolutely do that again. Um, but that, you know, that so that's going kind of beyond the Christian community, and that, that was fantastic. I was reading a book this morning. It was published a few years ago, and I'm sure the count has increased since it was written. But there were, I think they quoted 34,000 denominations in the world. And, right. I, and I heard, I mean, I think it's grown to over 40,000 now. Um, and I, I was reflecting on how denominations really flow, new, new denominations flow out of disagreement around secondary issues. You know, when Jesus prays, he, his prayer to the Father is may they be one my, may my followers be one as you are you and i are one and i was thinking if if we can unite around a person rather than issues about that person or what we mm. think is a, about that person that's the first step towards unity so i want to ask you casey mm. to get to the question who is jesus to you ah uh, that's a big question but i l- l- let me just at least echo or or affirm that approach you know, on Saturday, I, I just happened to be preaching about this. And I, I referenced, and I have referenced uh, both of you in the, in the pulpit, in my pulpit. And, I, and this last week, I uh, mentioned you, Sam. And I, I was preaching in Galatians uh, 3, 26 to 28. And the whole message was, we've got to make the major things the major things. And we build uh, relationally around that. And that, and I, this is the reference it's the Timothy Keller quote that the six wall, six foot walls are no good. We bring that down to a three foot wall. And I, I said, Sam Jackson says, that's okay. And I. Oh, hang on, I thought you were saying Tim Keller said. 
I didn't say that. Yeah. Just for the record, that's a Tim Keller. Thing. Yeah, I know. I quoted Tim Keller, but then I said that my friend Sam affirms. Yeah, so, so if it, if it's a Tim Keller thing, it's a Sam Jackson thing. But it's Tim Keller first, all, every time. <laughs> yeah, but but the point is, is that all of these things that we differ upon, some of those things are ridiculous, but some of those things are actually, you know, we the, the, we, we embrace those things because we we feel. That, that this is something the Spirit of God has shown us in the Word of God, and we, we hold on to it. But it's still uh, diminished, or it's um, much uh, less important than the main thing, and that is the person of Christ. And it is, it is a work for us to get, at least for, for my faith tradition, for us to come back to and recognize that in all things. Because it's easy to become champions and to talk up those things that make us different um, for fear that we will lose our identity if we are not um, continually articulating that. But my message is that, no, your identity is only found in Christ. That is the main part of your identity. If you are I mean you're a vegetarian and you know you and you you sure you might live a few years longer but ultimately your identity can't be about that your identity is built around Christ Christ died for you that's what makes you precious and invaluable to the father that's a cue for a Obama mic drop. I reckon don't drop the mic though because they're very expensive <laughs> and we're not making any money from this podcast. Yeah. Okay, so just okay. keep a hold of that. I promise. I love how Jesus attaches, he goes on to say, he doesn't attach, but he goes on to say, may they be one like you and I are one so that the world will know. Mm. So he attaches this unity around him as our king to the mission of God and loving mm. your city is about the mission of God. So preach it, brother. Love mm. it. Hey, Casey, it's, it is a joy not just to call you a friend, but as a colleague mm. and working together. Uh, alongside each other don't smile at me like that i'm serious I believe it. <laughs> we've and, slept uh, in the same room we have. together it was an experience we were in different beds of yeah. course but we were down in a hotel it was a very small in... room and i moved those two single beds as far yeah, away as I possible know. before you <laughs> it was arrived a bit awkward yeah and we're doing it but again we, but we talked until midnight and, and it was a rich experience and we're doing it again at the movement day Roundtable right. in sydney at the end of october and yeah. uh this podcast of course Tisha, is in partnership with movement day australia if you want to know more about movement day get mm. on the website uh movementday.com.au look it up on facebook uh, there's Movement Day expressions all over the world, and uh, it's it just exciting to see what God is doing globally around uh, this idea of loving your city, loving your place. So, Casey, thanks again for joining us. Letitia, thank you as always. Looking forward to the next edition. Thank you. Fantastic.